1 Samuel chapter 17. We have uh, chosen this year our theme. Uh, you see it behind me there uh, on the banner, and uh, based out of 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. And, of course, that is the theme of victory. This is our victory even uh, through our faith. And we preached about that uh, two weeks ago on Sunday morning. And I'm going to be preaching a lot of messages this year on the subject of victory and the subject of faith. And uh, both things are very important for us as Christians to understand and uh, for us to um, be able to learn the principles that God gives us in His Word so that we can have victory in our lives. Amen? I said this last time. I don't know about y'all, I hate losing, amen? I just hate to lose. There's something about losing that bothers me. And let me say this, it ought to bother you too, amen? It ought to bother you. And uh, Brother uh, Swayze back there has kind of got the poochie lip going on because his favorite team lost on uh, Monday night, the college uh, college bowl there, brother. So uh, uh, I was rooting against you, by the way, amen? So uh, am I an Alabama fan? No, but I'm a fan for anyone who plays Alabama, okay? But... Uh, but no, it's okay, man. It's just, you know, it's part of it, right? But hey, haters going to hate, right? I mean, you know, what can you say? But I like to win, amen? And uh, you know what, folks? And, and I, that's true when it comes to, you know, our competitive natures and the things of this life. Let me say this. How much more important is it in the Christian life that we experience victory, amen? We experience victory. And so I'm going to uh, preach to you this morning from a very famous passage of Scripture, uh, one that we're all very familiar with with, and uh, I, I really wanted to go a different direction this morning. I tried to go a different direction, uh, but the Lord kept bringing me back to this, so uh, this is why God wants us to preach on today, amen? And so we're going to preach about probably the most famous underdog victory in the world, and that is, of course, the story of David and Goliath. So if you find your place, let's stand together as we read. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Of course, most of the chapter deals with this uh, epic uh, battle here. I'm just going to read a few verses, and then we'll uh, teach down through some things this morning. Let's begin in verse 1, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, where were gathered together at uh, Shoshah, which belonged to Judah, and pitched between Shoshah and Ezek and Ephes Damon. Man, how about that to start a verse, amen? And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath whose height was six cubits and a span. And if you uh, crunch those into the numbers of uh, or into, uh, our English measurements, he was about ten foot tall. And he had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. And he had greaves of brass upon his legs, and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron, and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? And not I a Philistine, and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you, and let him come down to me. And if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. 
When Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Aren't you thankful for the next two words of the next verse? Amen. Now David. Amen. Hey, he wanted a man. God sent a young man. Amen. Now David was the son of the Ephraim of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. Let's pray. Lord, we love you this morning. Looking forward to this message, God. And Lord, uh, looking at uh, probably one of the greatest underdog victories of all time. And I pray, God, as we uh, look at this and preach from it, you'd speak to our hearts through it, God. Help us, Lord, to learn these principles of victory that would help us as we deal with the Goliaths in our day and age. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for it. Bless us, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. Probably one of the, again, greatest, most famous Bible stories there is, is that of David and Goliath. Now what I like about the story uh, is the background of the story, is the things that led up to this story. And of course, uh, that was the story of David. And uh, David was a, a mighty, a mighty man of God. And what I love about David, now, uh, God shows us both spectrum to David li- of David's life. He shows us the good, and He also shows us the bad. Amen? And uh, you know what? The Bible's kind of like that. It's not really a, a respecter of persons one bit. And God, He showed us when people did well, and He showed us when they, when they didn't do so well. Amen? And the reason He did that was so that we can learn from that. Amen? And there are, there are examples that we can learn from. But David, man, what a tremendous young man who grew up to be a mighty warrior, who grew up to be a mighty king, who did uh, some amazing things for God, some great lessons we can learn. What I like about this story is that it's a story of youth. It's a story of youth. And I'm not just preaching to our young people this morning, but I am going to refer to them quite a bit. And, uh, uh, man, David, by the way, I, I love the fact that David uh, didn't uh, d- do this, accomplish this task when he was a seasoned warrior in his 30s. He did this as a youth. Let me tell you what that ought to do. That ought to inspire our young people. And that ought to also inspire our parents to be raising the type of young people that God can look down and use and do things like this. Amen? We see it's a story of youthful dreams. Look at verses 13 through 15. And it says, And the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab the firstborn, next unto him Abinadab, and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three eldest followed Saul. But David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Now, can you picture David here watching his his older brothers head off to war and then having to head back to tend for the sheep? I mean, you know, David, no doubt, was a warrior at heart. We see that all through his life. We see that in his youth as he kept those sheep. And uh, I'm sure David spent a lot of time dreaming of the day he would be old enough to fight for his nation. Maybe you can picture him in your mind's eye as he was up on the hills above Bethlehem fighting mock battles against imaginary Philistine enemies. And uh, David had a, had a heart. He, had a, he was a young man who had a dream. And you know one of the greatest things about being young is the ability to dream dreams. Amen? But the ability to dream And I'm not talking about the kind that after you eat too much pizza. Amen? I think I had one of those this last week, and it was kind of weird, all right? I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about a vision. I'm talking about a dream and about a, a task or, 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 or something God wants you to do for Him. A something great that God wants for you to do. Amen? And that's what I love about David. It was a, uh, it's a story here of youthful dreams. And what's amazing about this was the, the dreams David dreamed, guess what? They all came true. Amen? And you know what? Maybe, just maybe, the, the thing that you're thinking about isn't just something from your own imagination. Maybe it's something that God's put down in your heart. Amen? And He's got something He wants you to accomplish. He's got great things He wants for you to do. And let me just say this. You know what? Uh, parents, again, that's why it's so important to get your young people in the place where God can get their heart when they're young so God can begin working in their heart when they're young and they can begin dreaming dreams in their youth and go on to do great things for God. Amen? Let me tell you what these youth rallies are about that we're taking our young people to this year. We're taking them to some uh, places where they can hear some good preaching so God can put some things down in their heart. Amen? So they can then one day uh, fulfill the dreams that they have for their life and do some great things for the Lord. I love it. It's a story of youthful dreams. Not only that, it's a story of youthful tasks. Look at verse 17 through 19. And Jesse said unto David his son, Take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses. There you go. Amen. Uh, uh, cheeses. They even had them back in the Bible days. I'm sure one of those out of the ten had to be pepper jack. All right? I'm just saying it. It had to be there. Amen. Under the captain of their thousand. And look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. And what you see here is the fact that David had some tasks that his dad assigned to him. It was tasks that were befitting his age. He had a job to deliver some food and messages to his warrior brothers and to King Saul. And I bet you, you know what, David had no idea that he would leave home with the food, leave home with the cheese, leave home with the corn, and come back with the head of a giant in his hand. Amen? But you know that never would have happened if David wouldn't have been faithful to those youthful tasks that his dad assigned to him. By the way, young people, let me tell you, you take serious those things that God has assigned to you in your youth. Amen. You take serious those things. Hey, your schoolwork that you all hate to do and think it's so stupid, I'll never use this in life. Listen, you have no idea where you'll be and what God will want you to use you to do. You take those things serious. Amen. I remember saying when I was a young person, you know what most of our young people say. I did a survey in Sunday school last week, and I said, all right, let's talk about uh, what's your least favorite subject. And you know what, everybody, most, most all the young people said they dislike math, okay? That was their least favorite subject, all right? I had no idea when I was a young person, and I'm sure my hand would have went up as well, that one day, for 12 years, I was going to be a math teacher. I had no idea. And when I was working at the Christian school right out of Bible college and, and it was a youth pastor, part of my job was to teach algebra and geometry. Amen? You say, how did you do it? I don't know, but we made it. Amen? And uh, so uh, I guess maybe because I, I had the score key. That helped me, I guess. But uh, all that to say, you know what? You never know what you're doing right now. God will use that in your future to one day uh, help you accomplish something God has for you to do. Amen? So take those tasks seriously. Take those tasks seriously. My life verse is Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. The Bible says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. 
And I remember as a young man, my preacher preached on that verse, and that verse got down in my heart, and I was thinking about it. And you know what? I just decided, listen, I, I know I won't do everything the way I ought to all the time, but man, I want to, and I'm going to give it my best. Amen? I'm going to give it my best shot. And young people, let me just say, whatever task you have, do your best at it. Amen? And by the way, parents, guess what that means? We have responsibilities to assign our young people youthful tasks. Amen? All right, listen, hey, get them kids busy. All right, have them doing things that's going to matter. Have them doing things that's going to count. Amen? Assign them things that will help them learn and grow. So David had a youthful dream. Then he had a youthful task. Man, I love this. David had youthful zeal. Youthful zeal. Look at verse 20 and 22. David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep at the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench and the host was going forth to fight and he shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the head of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. Man, David was excited about this. Bible says he rose up early, amen? I mean, if you ever knew you were going to do something fun the next day or something exciting the next day and you couldn't hardly sleep at night, right? You remember that? Uh, I usually don't have that problem now, okay? But I remember when I was a kid, man, we were going to leave for vacation or go someplace or do something. Man, I could hardly sleep. I was excited. Man, I didn't have no problem getting out of bed that morning, amen? You know why? Because there was something exciting going on. David, he rose up early, and when he got to the battle, the Bible says he left that carriage. I can imagine him just kind of finding someone, looking around, and making sure it was taken care of. And the Bible says that he ran and shouted for the battle. Amen? But he was excited about it. He saw something good going on, and he wanted to be a part of it. Hey, there's excitement in David's life. One of the best things about young people I love is their zeal. Amen? Their excitement for for things. And by the way, we're trying to harness that and turn that into zeal and excitement for the things of the Lord. Amen? Man, that's important. Because folks, let me just say this. There's some things worth getting excited about in life. And the things that are worth getting excited about are the things that's going to matter for eternity. Amen? And those are the things for the Lord Jesus Christ. And young people, let me encourage you. Never lose your excitement. Never lose your energy about life and the opportunities that life will hold for you. What else do we see in this? We see it's also a, uh, we see the youthful ears of David. Look what it says in verse 23. And as he talked with them, talking to his brothers, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And look at the last phrase there in verse 23. And David heard them. And David heard them. You know what? David listened. He knew what was going on around him. I was teaching the young people uh, this morning in Sunday school. We were talking about the character trait of discretion. Being able to pay attention and know what's going on and uh, uh, understanding things in life. And you know what? As a young person, let me say this, not just as a young person, but just as a person in general. You know the Bible tells us, gives us this command, we ought to be swift to hear, amen? Swift to hear. By the way, why do you think God gave us two of these and one of these, amen? So we would listen twice as much as we talk. But our problem is, we don't usually want to do this, we want to do this, right? And this thing right here gets us some more problems than not, because we don't take the two that God gave us to try to rein in the one, amen? 
But let me just say this, it's important that we listen. And yes, I'm talking about listening physically, alright? But I'm also talking about what the Bible says. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. Amen? And listen with our spiritual ears. Hey, this morning, let me say this, God wants to talk to you spiritually. Amen? You say, I, wish you, I just wish God would talk to me. He does! The problem is, we're not listening. We're not paying attention, amen? Let me tell you something, folks. God wants to and does and will. I don't know about y'all. I heard God this week. He spoke to me about some things, amen? And let me just say this. David was willing to listen. And you know what? We all need to be willing to listen, to pay attention, to have our ears tuned in to the things that are right, amen? We see youthful dreams, youthful tasks, youthful zeal, youthful ears. How about this? Verse 25 through 29, youthful simplicity. Man, I love this. Look what it says here in verse 25. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that's come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiest of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, notice this, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? You know what? David didn't see the politics in this situation. Okay, David didn't even see the fear in this situation. David looked at the situation and knew it was very simple. God was being defied and nobody was doing anything about it. And you know what David said, looking around, I'm sure once he's there and he's excited knowing that his brothers are there and he looked up to them, no doubt, and they were, they were going to do something about this problem and he got there and started figuring out real quick, you know what, nobody's doing anything to shut this giant up. He probably looked around and maybe with a little disappointment in his heart looked at his brothers and thought, why aren't you guys out here doing something? I thought Daddy taught you how to fight. I thought Daddy taught us we don't back down from things that need to be stood up for. Why aren't you out there doing something about this mouthy, godless giant? You know what's very simple to David? God's being blasphemed. The David, uh, the giant is out there uh, running his mouth. You know what? There's a cause. Somebody needs to do something about the cause. Amen? Let me just say this. We all need to be loyal to a cause bigger than ourselves. Loyal to a cause bigger than ourselves. And folks, let me say this. The cause of Jesus Christ, the cause of the Word of God, the cause of the church of Jesus Christ is bigger than any you or me. Amen? And we need to be loyal to that cause. I love David's simplicity here. Amen? He didn't get caught up in the turmoil. He didn't get caught up in all the, all the noise in the background going on. He saw what needed to be done. And praise God, he had the youthful courage to make it happen. Look what it says in verse 36. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Think about that. David had 
discouraged. He was willing to fight when others cowered in fear. And I'm just saying this, as Christians, we need to always live courageously. Amen? Live courageous. I'm not talking about walking around with pride in our heart, beating our chest, thinking we're you know this and we're we're that. I'm talking about figuring out what the Bible says to do in this wicked and perverse generation we're living in, in this crazy dark world we're living in. Figure out what God wants for us to do, and with courage, with the help of God, live it out. Amen. Not just yakking about it, not just talking about it, but letting our life uh, prove the fact that we're going to do something about it. Amen. And David had youthful courage. And this is where it comes down into what we've been talking about so far this year. David had youthful faith. By the way, it's one thing to go and see the battle. It's one thing to realize something needed to be done. It's one thing to say, you know what, I might be the guy that needs to do it. But it's something altogether to walk out on the battlefield and face down the giant. You know what that's called? Faith. Amen? Faith. Look at verse 45 and 46. Then said David to the Philistine, man, I love this. Thou comest to me with the sword and with the spear and with the shield. By the way, those, those weren't fake sword, spears, and shields, okay? They weren't just some little toy. All right. By the way, who was Goliath? He was a, the Bible says, a warrior from his youth. This man knew exactly what he was doing. He, I'm sure that spear and uh, uh, sword was stained with the blood of many enemies, okay? I mean, and Goliath was coming with his weapons of war, and no doubt he wasn't out there just to uh, play uh, uh, fiddlesticks with David. Amen? He was coming to do what he always did, win a, uh, win a battle. So uh, the Philistine came with the sword, the spear, and the shield. Notice what David said, But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there's a God in Israel. Man, talk about talking smack, amen? You talk about you better be able to back up what you just said, boy, amen? I mean, those are some strong, stiff words. But what I love about David was this, folks. He wasn't talking that in pride of himself. He wasn't talking that because of his own ability. Did you read what the what, what I just said? Did you hear what I just said there? Who's going to deliver him? The Lord of hosts was going to deliver him. You know what that's called? That's called having your faith in the right place. Amen? Amen. Having faith in the right place. David had his faith in Jehovah God. Listen, challenging Goliath was not a reckless action. It was a calculated decision based upon his belief in God's will. You know what David did? He dared to believe. Amen? He dared to put his faith in God. Man, what a story of youthfulness. Amen? It's, it's not just a story of youthfulness, though. And this is what I think we all like about it. It's the story of an underdog. Okay, the story of an underdog. I mean, Goliath, again, you go back, read all the stats of who he was. He was almost 10 foot tall. Amen? I'm talking about 10 literal feet. From the floor to the ceiling in here is about 10 foot. All right? I mean, this is a guy that was that tall from floor to, uh, from floor to ceiling. That's how big he was. 
And if you, if you read and look and see what it talks about as far as his armor, just his armor weighed 125 pounds. When it talks about his spear being that of a weaver's beam, I mean, this ain't some little stick here. The head of his spear was about 15 pounds of sharpened iron to the end. I mean, he, he, he had a, a armor bearer go before him bearing his shield. Listen, this guy was the guy who should have won the battle. Amen. He's the one that uh, Vegas was betting on. I can tell you that. Amen. He was the one that all the odds were for. But never rule out God. Amen. Here was David. Amen. By the way, what did David come to the battle with? Well, he didn't come with all that armor. He just simply come with a shepherd's sling, five stones, and his faith in God. Amen. By the way, how did it work out for him? Well, we know how it worked out for him. Amen. And this is a story of an underdog. It's the story of an unwavering faith in God. Amen? And I'm going to tell you this, folks. If we're going to win victories, if we're going to beat the giants, if we're going to beat the Goliaths in our lives, we better have the same faith in the same God that David had. Amen? I mean, think about this story. His weapons were simple, his faith was strong, and his victory was legendary. Amen? All because of a youthful young man who had a youthful cause with youthful courage, youthful faith, amen, allowed God to do great and mighty things. Now let me give you some very practical victory lessons, amen. How can we have victory? What can this giant slayer teach us this morning? How does this relate to us in 2022? I'm glad you asked, I'm going to tell you, amen, All right. Let me give you some very basic principles from this story this morning. Number one, every Christian, especially young people, should dream of doing something great for God. Remember, folks, this story started with a dream. started with a dream. Let me just say this. It's so important for us as Christians to have these God-given desires within us that we can uh, uh, think of things and dream of things that's bigger than us. Amen? Bigger than us. I'm just saying, what, what, what we're involved in here, folks, is bigger than us. I mean, if you would have uh, told me when this process started seven years ago in my life that this is what God would have done, I would probably never would have believed it because, oh, me of little faith. Amen? You know what we're doing over in Jasper over there? That's something bigger than us. Amen? You know what we're going to do over here in a few years when we put that building up? Something that's bigger than us. Amen? You know what we're doing is we're trying to work hard to get the gospel to the people here in Gibson County? Something bigger than us. You know why we're having Missions Emphasis Month and why we support 22 missionaries to try to get the gospel around the world? Because we're involved in something bigger than us. Amen? That's called dreaming. Let me say this, every Christian, especially young people, ought to dream of doing something great for God. I think of Joseph. If you're following the Bible reading schedule that we handed out a couple weeks ago, you're probably right in the middle of reading about Joseph. I think I'm a little ahead and I finished him his life up this week. But man, you talk about a young man who dreamed. Remember going back to the beginning of his life where he was reading the story, or I'm sorry, he was uh, telling his brothers and telling his father about those dreams that he had? And how they mocked him and thought he was crazy and, and uh, uh, made his brothers envy him even the more. Well, guess what? Everything Joseph dreamed about came to pass. Amen? And his brothers weren't mocking them. Right? Joseph had a dream. By the way, it's just not young people that dream. How about, how about this? How about Caleb? I love reading about Brother Caleb. And you talk about, again, uh, another man. And by the way, he wasn't a man who dreamed just in his youth. 
Caleb was part of that great company that came up out of the nation of Egypt and traversed through the, the wilderness and was part of that original group of spies sent in to spy out the land. Remember we sing about it in Sunday school? That crazy song that I had you sing, you know, 12 men went to spy on Canaan, you know, and we do all those crazy motions. Well, guess what? You know who part of the two good were? Caleb. And Caleb was a, a man who, he brought back a good report and because of his good report, didn't die out in the wilderness when all the disobedient uh, Israelites died out. So 40 years, fast forward 40 years. Think about that though. He still had to live it out there. He still had to postpone his dream for 40 years. But he came back in. And when they came back in, 80 years old. Not necessarily a youthful buck anymore, but let me say this, God still gifted him with the energy and strength of his youth. And Caleb came back into that promised land, and he looked at his inheritance, and his inheritance was, lo and behold, something called Mount Hebron. And man, he got to looking at that, but here's the problem. You know who lived in Mount Hebron? It kind of all ties together this morning. The descendants of Goliath lived there. Or, or the Goliath's descendants uh, were from that area, the land of the giants. The sons of Anak were there. These were the giants, amen? These were the same people David had to deal with uh, uh, into the future. And here were the sons of Anak living up in the mountain. But you know what Caleb had? Man, I love this. Caleb had a dream. Caleb had a promise that God was going to give him that land for his inheritance. And I love Caleb's attitude. He said, listen, I might be 80 years old. I might not be the young man that I once was, but give me that mountain. Amen. We sing about it. We got it in our songbook. I want that mountain. I want that mountain. Hey, you know what it's talking about? Caleb's attitude about conquering what God promised to give him. But guess what? Caleb had to go conquer it. By the way, he did. Amen? And here was a man that had the odds against him, but he still dared to dream. And God used him to accomplish great things. Well, we can learn from that. No matter how old you are, as long as you're still doing this, you can still dream for God. Amen? Still dream for God. I appreciate appreciate, uh, our senior saints around here. And God's blessed us with a great group of senior saints at White River Baptist Church. By the way, I'm thankful for, you know, you walk into our church, you know what you see? You see every age group. You see the kids, and sometimes you feel them as they about run you over, amen? But uh, you got the kiddos around here. Thank God for our teenagers, our young people. You got, you got young adults. You've got senior saints. You know what that's called? A healthy church, amen? And that's a direct testimony to the grace of God, how good God is to us around here. But man, I'm thankful for our senior saints, I was thankful that yesterday a couple of our, our senior saint men went with us to the church plant. And man, we were over there and, and we were, uh, we were sawing, we were drilling, we were playing on lifts, amen. We were, we were, we were screwing stuff to walls. We were, we were just having a good old time, amen. And let me just say this. As long as you're breathing, you can still dream. As long as you're breathing, you can still do something for God, amen. So listen, you need to have a dream. Number two. It's a mistake to undervalue youthfulness. It's a mistake to undervalue that. And again, I, we're kind of both sides of the spectrum here this morning. But you look at David, and when David uh, uh, killed Goliath, he was a youth. They tell us, based upon how old he was, he wasn't old enough to go to battle yet. More than likely, he was somewhere around 17 years old. And David, you know what? His brothers undervalued him. He went to the battle, he looked and saw what was going on, and because of his brothers were fearful, they didn't like what they saw in David, so they tried to pour water on his zeal. What they say, here's what his oldest brother said. Man, his, his oldest brother should have been leading in that cause. Amen? 
He should have been the one out there setting the example. But here's what he said. I know thy pride and the naughtiest of thine heart. Thou art come now that thou mightest see the battle. Now, you know what he, was, what he was really saying? He's like, I'm a scaredy cat and you're showing me up, little bro. Shut up. That's what he was really saying. Okay? And you know what? He undervalued David's youthfulness. Let me just say this, young people, listen to me. Just because you're young doesn't mean God doesn't have something He wants you to do. Doesn't mean God doesn't talk to you. Doesn't mean God doesn't want to use you in a great mighty way. I'll say this, there's something about a youth, a Christian young person that gives their life to God. Let me tell you, there's something about that, amen? In fact, let me just say this. We know that's true because why do you think the devil works so hard at getting our young people and their youth? He works hard over time. I mean, this culture is bent on destroying our young people. Let me tell you why that is. Because there is such huge potential that a young person that gives their dreams and gives their heart to God, I'm going to tell you, there is so much potential there, and the devil knows it, and that's why he's working overtime to get our young people. Amen? Let me tell you, young people, listen to me. Don't underestimate your youth. Amen? The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, and this was written to a young preacher, Timothy. Here's what Paul, the seasoned preacher, said to the young preacher. Let no man despise thy youth. By the way, you know what that word despise means? Undervalue. He's saying, listen, don't let your youth be undervalued. But by the way, that responsibility that Timothy had for his youth to not be undervalued wasn't on everybody else. Because listen to the rest of the verse. But be thou an example of believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and purity. And young people, let me say this to you. You don't want your youth undervalued? Then live in such a way where you set an example where people won't undervalue you. You know why sometimes uh, it seems that, that adults do undervalue youth? Because truth be told, they're not living in such a way that's setting any kind of example how to do anything. And young people, that responsibility is on you. Amen? All right, get this thing out of your mind. Well, I'm just a teenager. I can be lazy and do what I want. And, you know, mom and dad are my servants. And, and I have a right to have everything. No, you don't. Amen? Don't you have that type of attitude, amen? You need to learn how to work hard. You need to be an example when it comes to the things you say and the way you live and the type of love you have and your faith and your purity and your spirit. You be an example of those types of things, amen? Let me say this, though. Don't underestimate the, the, the value of youthfulness. Number three, how about this? I love this. God specializes in winning battles that seem impossible to win. You know, if you chase this through the Scripture, you know God is always for the underdog. And God always sets it up in such a way to where the people that shouldn't win are the ones that usually do. By the way, you know why He does that? So He can receive the glory and not man. That's why. I mean, come on, we're going to read about it here the next several months as we go through the Bible. We're going to read about the battle of Jericho. Where those, that nation of Israel. What a weird battle plan, by the way, right? I mean, come on, you got, you got this big city with these huge walls. And, and here's the plan. You're going to go plant explosive charges. You're going to go and, and get all your warriors set. No, you know what God says? March around the city. Just march around it. Okay? March around it. And then the day I tell you, march around it seven times, blow your trumpets, and guess what? Stand back and watch me give you the victory. Amen? As those walls come tumbling down, and they went into conquest that great city. Talk about, uh, again, the story of an underdog. 
How about as you chase through the Scripture and read about Gideon's 300? I'm sure we'll preach about that this year. And you talk about, uh, again, the, the underdog, 300 against the innumerable amounts of Midianites, but yet God won that victory. And on and on and on we can go. Folks, listen, God specializes in winning battles that seem impossible to win. You're facing an impossible situation in your life, good. You know what that means? God's about ready to do something, amen? God's about ready to work. By the way, if we can see our way through every circumstance, why do we think we'd even need God? God on purpose puts us in places and positions where the only thing we can do is rely on Him. By the way, that's a good thing. Amen? Number four, God specializes, man, I love this, in using people that others might undervalue. God specializes in that. Here's what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians. Listen to these verses. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. What the Bible's telling us there? Listen, you know, God's not calling and using the people out of the, you know, the ranks of what everybody would think He would. Amen? He's not going to the super strong. He's not going to the, you know, uh, the, the wisest and the smartest. No, you know what he's using? He's using the, the base things. He's using the weak things. He's using the things that most people think have no chance of winning and accomplishing anything. Why does he do that? The Bible tells us that no flesh should glory in his presence. Amen? And God specializes in using people that others might undervalue. And then last of all, let me give you this, amen? If you want to slay the giant, if you want to win the victory, you got to follow the formula for victory. you got to follow the formula. Now, yes, David's faith was in God. Yes, David had the courage. David had the faith. But guess what? David still had to go out and get the job done. Let me just say this, folks. This word gets super, super practical. You want to win victories? you got to follow the biblical formula for victory. Amen? You know what it is? How about this? Learn your weapons. Right? I mean, what, what did Saul try to do? Saul tried to give David the weapons that he thought David should be fighting with. But David said, I can't do that. I can't go with these. I've not proved them. The Bible says David put them off of him. You know what? He didn't use what others thought he might use. The Bible says this. Man, I love it. He took his staff in his hand, his shepherd's staff. Amen? By the way, I think David knew what he was talking about in Psalms chapter 23, right? Talked about his staff was with him and, and uh, his rod and his staff, they comfort him. David knew what he was talking about there. He chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a script, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. You think about that. I mean, literally. All right, he's coming to Goliath. We've already talked about what he's armed with. All David's got that, that staff in his hand. He's got that sling right here. Let me tell you something. The reason he chose those weapons because he knew how to use those weapons. Let me just say this. If you're going to win victory in the Christian life, we preached about it two weeks ago, you got to know your weapons. Amen? And by the way, God gives us some very, very formidable weapons to win the victory with. We read the verse, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You gotta learn your spiritual weapons. Amen. You gotta learn them. You gotta know them. You gotta know how they work. You gotta know how to wield them. You gotta know how to use them. Amen. If you want to win the victory, you gotta learn your weapons. Not only that, you gotta do what David did. You gotta exercise your faith. 
Amen. What is faith, by the way? Remember the definition we gave you? It's our belief and confidence in God and His Word that spurs us to action. How do we know how da- that David had faith? Well, here's how we know. Because the Bible says that David uh, put his hand in the bag, took thence a stone, and slang it. The Bible says that when Goliath started you know, rambling off and mouthing off about David, David ran toward Goliath. Who in their right mind runs toward the enemy? Someone who knows they're going to win, that's who. And by David taking the steps toward the enemy, by David reaching his hand, putting the stone in the sling, by David slinging the sling, you know what he knew? He knew he was going to win. He exercised his faith. And remember this, folks. Faith is action. Faith is action. Don't tell me you have faith in God if you won't even obey the most basic tenets that the Bible says to obey. You don't have faith in God. Amen? You've got to learn to exercise your faith. And part of what we're going to be talking about this year, we're going to get real practical in some areas, and we're going to be talking about the practical ways that we do that. Amen? We put to action, and we exercise our faith. And then last of all, the formula for victory. Learn your weapons. Exercise your faith. Right here. Here it is. You ready? Expect to win. Expect to win. What's it say about David? Man, I love this. Look what, look what it says if you're back there. 1 Samuel chapter 17. So David prevailed. <laughs> Amen. He prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran. There you go. David ran again. And this kid couldn't sit still. I mean, if, if he was in our church, all the adults, quit running around, quit running around. David ran everywhere, amen? And David ran, stood upon the Philistine. Uh, picture this, amen? I mean, come on, Hollywood has nothing on the Bible, all right? Picture this right here. David ran. Yeah, this is a Bible story, people, amen? We teach this to our kids. <laughs> David ran, stood upon the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him and cut his head off therewith. Amen? And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. You know what that's called? That's not just called kind of eking out a victory. That's called decimating the enemy. I love that. Man, picture that. David, he wasn't just satisfied with Goliath on the ground, buddy. He had to seal the deal. He goes on there, jumps on his big old Philistine chest, whips out that sword. And I can imagine as David's got that sword over his head, it's breathless, man. The Philistine armies are, it's all quiet. The Israeli armies are all quiet until that sword falls. Boom! And there goes that greasy head of Goliath rolling across the ground. David picks it up. Hold, could you imagine the cheers going on as the Israeli army, uh, their, their, their enemy was defeated. David's holding that head up and buddy, it's, it's on like Donkey Kong, man. As those Israeli armies come and chase down the Philistines. And let me say this, a great victory was won. Let me just say this, church, listen to me. God wants us winning victories just like that. He's got some giant heads He needs slain. Right? He's got some greasy Philistine uh, hair, uh, for, uh, heads of giants He wants us holding up, letting the world see. And folks, listen, I'm not talking about this health and wealth. You know, you give your life to God, you'll be a millionaire garbage. Amen? I'm talking about winning spiritual victories. By the way, you know what? When 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 you when you uh, get your family in church and you're and you're teaching your kids right, and sometimes those victories may not seem like all that big, but man, when you, when you're teaching your kids right and they come to you and start talking to you about their desire to love God and serve God, you know what that's called? Holding up the head of a giant. Amen. 
And then your kids, uh, uh, they one of these days, they, they walk to the marriage altar and they, and they do so pure and right and clean. You know what that's called? Holding up the head of a giant. Amen? I'm going to tell you, there's giants worth slaying. Let me tell you, it ain't over yet, folks. It ain't over till that trumpet sounds. And it hasn't sounded yet. So guess what that means? we got some Philistines to engage. Amen? Let me tell you what we're all about around here. We're all about fighting the battle. We're all about winning the victory. Amen? And so, Lord willing, this year we're going to be talking a lot about this. And we're going to learn how to kill some giants. Let's pray. Lord, we love You today. What a